to the latest edition of the Oxfordshire Teacher Training Podcast. I'm here at Ensham Primary School with Will Reeves and uh, I'm going to get Will to introduce himself in a minute. Um, but we're going to be talking today about history in primary schools. Will, I know that you've got uh, some close links this year with Oxfordshire Teacher Training, so maybe we'll yeah. start just by talking a little bit about what you're doing this year with us. Yeah, so with you guys, um, we have a student, Sarah Rayfield, who is in school with us. Um, she is teaching in year four, working alongside myself. Um, I'm also the deputy head of the school and uh, sort of oversee the um, students that we have in our school. So yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So, um, so we're going to talk today about history in primary schools, and uh, this is this is going to be one of a series of podcasts that we're going to be putting out for um, a range of subjects at primary, and uh, eventually also a range of the secondary subjects as well. So this is hopefully going to be a useful podcast, not just for mentors, but for uh, associate teachers and for anybody else who's thinking about what does this subject look like in school? What are the key things that might be useful for me to think about? At our school, we decided to try and give the children a broad range of topics as to which they can learn and get really enthused about history and just be curious about things that have happened in the past. In our school... We've decided to um, get the children to focus on the history of where they live. So we felt it was really important that the children get an understanding of what Ensham was like uh, uh, through history, as well as how Oxford has developed through time. Um, And we really think that that will give the children an interest in their local history, as well as, obviously, through the other topics, learning about world history. Um, it also gives them a little bit of an understanding of what sort of difficult decisions might have had to be made through things like World War II and making sacrifices. And we aim to give the children some understanding of empathy and how different positions that people have been put in is a really difficult place to be. Um, one of the ways in which we have really tried to engage the children is through sending them out on trips and experiences linked to the topics. So, for example, our year three. Children have been to a Roman villa, we've been to a British museum last week to go and see some Greek mummies, we've had evacuee experiences at Didcot railway station, we've got an explorer coming in, but as well as that we've also got trips to the local area such as in Ensham, which is an Anglo-Saxon village, the children have gone out and explored the importance of the abbey, what the abbey did in the Anglo-Saxon time, as well as how Oxfordshire, the and their local city of Oxford has developed through time. Um, And we feel that they really bring the experiences to life in three people voice surveys. The children have been really positive about the fact that they, yes, learn it in class, but go out and experience it from themselves as well. So one of the ways in which we developed our curriculum at our school was through the Knowledge, Concept and Vocabulary Organisers, as we call them, KCVs, where we've mapped out the topics and key learning for the teachers and the real key point in that is how the knowledge progresses through each year group. Um, So for example, as mentioned earlier, we spoke about ancient cultures. So in year four, they learn about the ancient Egyptians, um, but actually which is one ancient culture. And we look at and compare that to the ancient Greek culture in year six. um, And we 
try and highlight the importance of how that learning is progressed as they move up through the year groups. So perhaps we could just think about that in a little bit more detail in terms yeah. of, of the, that process. So I'm thinking particularly if, if I'm an early career teacher and I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, I've, I've got a school where I'm being asked to teach a particular topic. Yeah. And you're talking about this idea of, of linking things in to try and get a sense of that. So when, when you devised your, your whole school's um, history curriculum, did you think about about that progression of how you wanted to do that? Was that part of the, th- of the thinking that helped to decide what you were going to be putting in? Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, we understand that there's a lot of knowledge that the teachers have to experience. But when we arrived, there wasn't a real hist- set, clear history curriculum. So we felt it was really important that for teachers, we got it really clear in their minds what it is they were teaching and why it is we were teaching them so we had a real range of topics to play with I suppose we wanted but we wanted the children to learn about world history wanted them to learn about national history as well as local history in their area Um, and we felt it was important that they gauged an understanding of where these events helped us and helped place us where we are in sort of the world at the moment I suppose and gave them an identity and us an identity. We're thinking about the idea of uh, develop, developing a curriculum um, being not just something you look at as a, as a single year but across, yeah. the, across the whole school. Now you've, t- you've talked about how you've, you've taken the idea of uh, Ensham itself as being um, essential to, to the way in which you're um, devising that curriculum and thinking about it from a local point of view and building on the uh, the Anglo-Saxon element of, of where, where the children here live. Um, so that obviously can, can, can mean that if you're working in a school that's, uh, that's not ancient, then you may well have a, a slightly different curriculum. So um, do, you, do, you, do you feel that there's a, there's a risk that um, if you're uh, just looking at the, the national curriculum and, and just looking at those big topics that start, you know, in a way, at, at the beginning um, and working their way gradually through um, towards towards the present day, um, that there's there's a risk that people might miss out on um, the importance of what history is where they where they live. I, I definitely th- I definitely think there is. I think it's really important that children gauge an understanding of where they live and how that's changed through time and how it is and will continue to change as time within their lifetime goes on. So we chose year four because we felt they were old enough to grasp the concept of how the area in which they live in, what it looks like, and then having had some basic teaching on the Anglo-Saxons, they would understand what it's like. But we just felt the children need to know about where they live in. Children don't necessarily go out and get these experiences um, at home through parents or for one reason or another. So we felt it was important that as our job as teachers, is to teach them about the place in which they live in and how they can learn and become inquisitive about where they live and, I suppose, develop the future historians, I suppose. Fantastic, yeah. Now, um, you mentioned just then that you'd, you'd made a conscious decision with your year fours to yeah. to think about, are they now ready to, to learn this this topic? And certainly one of, one of my personal bugbears um, 
is that uh, the, the, the primary national curriculum sets out um, something that starts very old and gets gradually towards the present day. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think about um, young children, they tend to be most fascinated about the here and now yeah. and they become increasingly interested going the other direction. So um, when you as a school have decided how to structure that curriculum itself over the whole time that the child's in primary school, um, have you followed rigidly the the primary national curriculum's model of let's start at the beginning and work our way through or have you made decisions to to do it in a different way so myself and Ginny Bayless the head teacher decided that rather than do things in an order from oldest to newest or even vice versa we felt that the topics that the children cover in certain year groups would a really sort of give hook them into their learning and really interest them and b they can have a real solid understanding of the concepts that you're trying to teach so for example we in year six we teach about ancient greece and aspects of that we teach are all about philosophy and we celebrate the great thinkers if you try to teach that in a uh, logical order that would come fairly early on in a child's career and they wouldn't necessarily get the real understanding of what it is that you were trying to get across and teach them so for example in year one we have started with dinosaurs as a way of hooking children in but we do look at the different time periods and we celebrate people like Mary Anning who um, unearthed and discovered lots of dinosaurs but then as they move into year two they learn about significant events such as the Great Fire of London and also we celebrate explorers so people who were adventurous, resilient, trying, went out and tried to learn things about the world so that we can try and instill this um, belief and this mindset in the children so that they can grow up and be whatever they want to be and go and explore and we've put assigned year groups to certain topics which we felt the children needed to learn about so we chose the topics that the children needed to learn about and then we assigned year groups so we've also put all of our topics um, in a way in which we feel they can be linked to a text type which is engaging and working alongside Ian Jackson our English lead and our other assistant head Nicola Edwards we assigned texts which are specific to certain year groups so that the children will be hooked and engaged in that and we all came together as an SLT and some teachers and assigned books which are interesting, engaging, they're of high quality to really get the children engaged in their topic. So yes they're learning about it in their history and that's great but they're also learning about it in their English and they're exposed to these high quality texts which they can again further their understanding of these historical concepts. Fantastic, and I think this is this is such a, a valuable approach to take. And certainly, um, if you're a mentor working in a school where you've got um, influence on how you're you're structuring the entire curriculum, thinking about that curriculum not just in one particular subject is so so important because you know you've you've really justified um, why. Uh, taking a, a chronological approach isn't necessarily the right approach to be taking, mm-hmm. even though the national curriculum may say so. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that you were one of the very first schools in the yeah. country to be inspected under the new um, Ofsted Schools framework. Back yeah. in, it was back in September, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was the and, second weekend. Yeah. And um, so for those of you who've experienced such things, you'll know all about the deep dives into particular subjects. And I believe that history was one of the subjects that... 
uh, they looked at. It was. Um, so, so I'm assuming that uh, when when uh, the inspectors came in, they, that they talked about uh, some of the very things we've been talking about with you and went to, to see it in action. Um, so um, they were happy, I guess, with, with what they saw. They were. They actually described the um, curriculum overall as inspiring for the children and they had a particular... Uh, shining light on the history. The Ofsted inspection itself went really positively. Um, when they came around, they requested to see lots of different um, history being taught. And we had lots of things going on, and this is something we encourage and I would recommend to all trainee and associate teachers, is that we had lots of children being up and active throughout their history lessons. For example, when they came round, we had one year five who were work class who were learning about World War Two. We had them lined up in a plane formation outside on the playground, up against the other year five class. So that was Mr. Williams and Miss Davis had their classes outside, getting them into formations to try and so the children could try and decipher as to which formation would have been the most successful and why. Um, we saw lots of different, and we do see lots of different opportunities for the children to do some writing within their history after they've had these engaging experiences. And myself and Rosie sat down and spoke with the inspector about the way in which we've laid out these topics, as well as the key concepts and the understanding which we want the children to learn when they're within each year group. So one of the things we've done as a school is to design uh, key concept uh, knowledge organisers, as I mentioned earlier, and that really builds upon each learning. So the fact that we aren't necessarily teaching subjects in the correct order, as it would be, um, isn't necessarily a problem, because if you step into a Year 5 class, you pick up a knowledge organiser on World War Two you will see what learning the children have learned previously and how any learning that is linked to World War II, they might have picked up through other subjects. And that was something that they really praised. And I've been working, or I did work alongside James Bird, who's the EPA School Improvement Officer, um, on these knowledge organisers to try and build upon each year group and include the key learning that the children need to know and the vocabulary, because I think that's something that really unlocks the door for a lot of children in history, is their understanding of the vocabulary that they need to access the learning and obviously that's again something that came out as really positive in Ofsted was the links with the literacy and the English and how the high quality text types expose the children to the sorts of texts which will improve their understanding and obviously general vocabulary. So we came out of the Ofsted really really positive and really really happy they described the curriculum overall as inspiring, but had a particular positive praise on history. And this has really developed to, obviously, yourself inviting me to come and speak about it now. And we're going to, myself and Miss Warrington are going to speak at the History Conference in the 9th of June. And we've also led other EPA events on history and how we mapped out our curriculum to other schools within our partnership. So it was a really positive experience. And something that I would encourage people to seek advice where they need to, but actually get to know their school and what is they teach and how they teach it. Brilliant, brilliant. Now you talked um, in that last little bit there uh, about some of the, the key um, concepts and knowledges and skills that you feel that people need to master. So um, if I'm a, a beginning teacher, 
and I'm thinking about history in a very general sense at primary level. Um, the, what kind of key concepts and knowledges and skills do you feel that we, we need everyone to master? I think subject knowledge is probably a big factor yeah. and the fact that we've introduced these knowledge organisers um, has meant that teachers in general as well as uh, trainee teachers their subject knowledge needs to be of a good enough level to deliver high quality lessons to the children so for example uh, let's take our year one um, children who I suppose coming into it naively you might think that year one's learning about dinosaurs would be a great idea and fun thing to do which it is um, however the year one teachers at our school need to develop an understanding about the three different periods that the dinosaurs are associated with the Triassic, Jurassic and Crustaceous period as well as celebrating people who have explored um, dinosaurs such as Mary Anning so student teachers will need to get a good understanding of what it is that they are delivering so that they can deliver that to a good level. Um, if we look at that further, we've got things like our year sixes, as I mentioned, learning about philosophical thinkers to even posing questions, which again is one of the things that we talk about in our KCVs, posing questions which will make the children think, and that's what we really want to do. So we ask them questions like, do you think it's fair that Alexander the Great was deemed the ruler of the world? Well, first things first, you need to know who Alexander the Great is, what he did which was successful, and the reasons why he was called the ruler of the world. Um, so subject, um, subject knowledge is the biggest thing I would suggest, but actually engage, getting yourself engaged in what it is that the children are learning through whatever way, shape or possible, whether it's something through the... Um, any associations or something like that which would really improve your practice and potentially going out to go and watch other people in other schools would be a really good idea because it's something that sometimes in training teachers um, and certainly when I was training I was showed in a lot of maths a lot of English but it, not just history but a lot of the foundation subjects were sort of um, brushed over and not really something which um, you, we were taught about now as we as we get towards the end of uh, this this podcast a um, couple of couple of final things to think about um, one one is um, potential challenges to teaching history um, so so f from from your point of view what what particular challenges do you think are the ones that we need to be thinking about the history needs to be engaging it is actually really quite an interesting subject to teach um, and if it's mapped out in the right way in your school, then as a teacher, you can really get engaged in what it is that you want to get across to the children. Thinking about um, where to look next, so you've talked earlier on about the, uh, the importance of being able to go out and see other people teach, whether it be in your own school or in other schools. Um, but are there any other um, organisations or things like that that you would recommend that people look into? So one thing I would highly recommend is a membership to the Historical Association. Um, the Historical Association offer um, magazines, podcasts and lots of really great ideas in there of different ways that teachers can teach uh, history. This sort of material applies to all sorts of different a range of topics and they can be really stimulating ideas that can be applied across a range of areas. So I would really encourage your school, whichever you go to work in, to get a login. So at Ensham we have a whole school login which is passed down to teachers and it offers different ways that they can teach and engage the children with their learning. Another thing which I would really highly recommend is for um, the school you 
end up working in or inquire about any resources that you might have, any artefacts, because the artefacts are really good, hands-on way that the children can engage with their historical understanding. So we've recently invested um, in some uh, what we call history boxes. So each subject that which I was speaking about previously has a box which is full of artefacts which we really want the children to explore, um, work out what things are so we don't teach them. We really want them to get involved and just really infuse that curiosity in the children so that they want to learn, they want to understand, they really want to get out there and explore more in terms of history. And to be honest, as much as going to watch English and Maths is great, it is really, really good and you will you can transfer lots of strategies from the English and Maths to your other subjects, not just history. I would encourage you to go and visit or go and watch other schools. And I, I've spoken to Ginny Bailey, she's very accommodating, she's very happy for teachers to get in contact with Ensham, come and visit and see what history is like within our school. So. Sarah in our school has gone out and watched teachers teach lots of different subjects and really get a good understanding of how those subjects can be delivered in the same high standards that we expect in maths and English that is engaging and really hook the children into their learning. Brilliant, thank you very much indeed. And um, for those who are particularly interested in the Historical Association, we'll put a link in our show notes of um, how to uh, join the association. Um, they've got a fantastic magazine called Primary History, mm-hmm. um, which has got some really, really good things. The website's full of curriculum ideas, and they do a conference each year. So this year's conference, which is in May, is in Bristol, um, and they have uh, this. This is for anyone who's interested in history. So there's separate strands over the two days on primary and on secondary. Um, and even on initial teacher training as well. Thank you so much, Will, for um, right. giving us the time today to to have a little bit of a deep dive into history in the primary schools. Yeah, and no um, loads and loads of uh, good nuggets of ideas for people to be thinking about in terms of not just um, teaching the the kind of individual lessons, but also thinking about that whole school. Um, intent behind how you put a curriculum together Mm. and how that history is viewed just within the whole curriculum rather than it just being a single subject on its own. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you.